0: Katie Kempner, and welcome to Perspectives, which is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women. And I'm especially excited for today because I am actually talking with my sister, Martha Kempner. Martha, welcome. It's very strange to have you call me Martha. Thank you. (laughs) Because I usually call you Mari, but um, I'm going to try to use your professional name. Thank you, Catherine. That sounds great. (laughs) So... You're a human sexuality expert. And I think we should just start, you know, you went to law school briefly before leaving and getting your master's in human sexuality. And I realized that I've never actually asked you,
1: why did you decide to focus on human sexuality? So, you know, I did it in college. Um, When I was in college, I was a peer sex educator. And I think some of that came from the fact, truthfully, that mom and dad were so open with us about sex and talked about it so freely that people already were asking me questions about it. I knew more than my friends. And so you probably did too. And so in high school, people would ask me questions and in college, people would ask me questions. And then I found this program in college where you could, do pure sex education and give workshops, and it was so much fun, but it never occurred to me that anyone would actually pay me for that. So I went to law school, and I think um, this is an interesting comment for people who are choosing professions and for for people who have children of that age who are choosing professions, I think we grow up knowing of about eight different things you can do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And some of them are completely unrealistic, like be a professional sports player. And so I didn't know that this was a career. So I went to law school, which was a career I knew about. I realized pretty early on that I didn't want to be a lawyer and then took a year off or so, got a regular job, got a job at a nonprofit and started looking around and realized that I could get a degree in this and I could make this a career. And so that was really exciting. And I think People need to kind of expand their horizons and maybe also not have to choose a career right out of college. Can you tell us a little bit about
0: what you do? And then I'd love to just focus on your um, thought leadership platform.
1: Sure. So um, for the first half, I guess, of my career, probably a little less than half at this point because we've gotten a little old. Um, Er, older, older. Thank you. Thank you. I was working at a nonprofit called CECIS, the sexuality information and education council of the U S and I did, um, advocacy work around sex ed. I did, um, HIV prevention education with us on a CDC grant that we had. Um, and then I really did a lot of writing and, um, editing for their publications, which were, towards parents and teachers and some though not many towards young people themselves and it was the writing part that I really loved because actually what I wanted to be when I grew up which I think you know was Judy Bloom. So um, I really wanted to write and so in this second half of my career which is the half that has been focused also on being a mom I have a consulting job where I freelance write. I write for a number of online outlets Um, And as we're going to talk about, I write for my own outlet now, Um, but I also work for a bunch of different clients writing their thought leadership pieces, um, writing web content um, and whatever else, some curricula, some reports. So, and it's a great mix of nonprofit, for-profit. I really get lucky in terms of getting to focus on a lot of different topics, all within sexuality.
0: Right. And I just want to say... um, I just remembered so you you were on a board with Judy Bloom and I remember when we saw Judy Bloom at um at the Mandarin Spa
1: and you're like Judy Bloom and she embraced you and I thought oh my god she's friends with Judy Bloom it doesn't get any better than that. I wasn't really friends with Judy Bloom but it was like nice to pretend. She recognized you. So let's talk about your
0: thought leadership platform because that's something you know, a lot of people now or younger people have um, created things with TikTok, a lot of video type things. But you, in a business sense, really took your thought leadership and have been able to create this fantastic platform, Sex on Wednesdays. And it's so
1: terrific. What prompted you to start it? You know, I think... I have a lot of opinions. I have a lot to say, um, and it's interesting because they think we're from a generation that kind of waited for an opportunity to be given to be given an opportunity for something to say. Someone else created the platform and invited you onto it, and it took me a while to realize that that's not necessarily how it goes right now. And you mentioned young people, and I think they have um, they've led the way on this that young people really are making their own opportunities. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, My goal with Sex on Wednesday is to get information out there, to talk about what's going on in the world. Um, It's really a roundup of news stories of of a given week. And the other part of it is really about correcting misinformation because there's so much misinformation out there, especially around sex. And I feel like I have the expertise to correct it and a pretty good way of explaining things so that people can understand them with just a little bit of snark. Okay, a <laughs> lot of snark.
0: A medium amount of snark, but in a really well-conceived way. So what are some of your uh, mo- your recent
1: stories that you're most proud of? Oh, um, well, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think recently because of what's going on in the world i really have been focusing a lot on vaccines so last week's story was of course because it's what everyone was talking about Nicki minaj's cousin's swollen testicle oh i'm sorry no it was his cousin's friend's swollen testicle um could you elaborate (laughs) so nikki minaj tweeted out first she explained that she wasn't going to the met gala because there was a vaccination requirement And she wasn't vaccinated yet because she hadn't done her own research. And then she tweeted out that her cousin's friend in Trinidad had gotten the vaccine and his testicle got swollen and he was now um, impotent and his fiance left him like a week before the wedding because of this. And it just pointed to Two of the kind of worst kinds of misinformation that are out there right now, one is this idea that as lay people, we have to do our own research before we accept the advice of experts. A Google search isn't research, right? There's, um, there's controlled studies on the vaccines. Those are being done by scientists. And yes, they are being done by the, pharma, um, the big pharma companies that are creating these vaccines, And then the experts, the public health experts um, at the CDC and the NIH take that data and figure out what to do with it. And it is not our responsibility to recheck their findings. It's just not. And and it's certainly not Nicki Minaj's responsibility to do that. Um, And so I think that that gives us this false sense that we shouldn't just follow the, the advice of experts when it comes to vaccines. And then the second part is, you know, my cousin's friend is like, um, the, the source of every apocryphal story ever, right? Like, no, no, man, my cousin's friend at Tulane, it's true story. It's not a true story or maybe it is a true story, but so many other things could have been happening to him to make his testicle swollen or to make him impotent that you can't say that it's about the vaccine. And it's really dangerous to do that because it does give people either the excuse that they're looking for or the skepticism that they didn't have. And we really do um, need to get people vaccinated. So interestingly, even though I focus on sex, I've done a lot of um Writing on vaccines because of the HPV vaccine,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and which, by the way, your niece got just the other day. I'm very excited about that. Excellent. Um, And so I feel like I know a lot about vaccines, but also there are a lot of the stories around vaccinations have focused on either um, periods, right? Changes in women's periods or Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's testicles. And so there's been an interesting overlap there too.
0: So w- one of the, talking about the music industry, um, as a focus on D, E and I took hold of, over the last year and a half, one of the groups that really began to get a new and better kind of attention is the LGBTQ community. I know I'm probably missing a few letters, but both in business and in culture, and there are things that would not have been embraced before, like for example, something I know you really loved, little Nass' new video. Could you talk about that please from the angle of a human sexuality expert?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing you should know about that is that I only saw it because my 11 year old showed it to me um, on TikTok or she saw a clip of it on TikTok and then found me the whole video. Um, it's, you know, it's a video, um, it's two black gay men who are having sex in a locker room. It's pretty sexy. Um, and I, I think it's fabulous. I mean, I think that that kind of representation is so important. Um, it's so important that young people see themselves, no matter who they are, as being able to be gay and be out. Um, And just because I am a sex educator at heart, he also uses a condom in the video, which is fabulous, though he does open it with his teeth, which um, is one of the things we tell people not to do. So, because you
0: were also on the advisory, an advisory council for Trojan for a long time.
1: Yes. And I still do a a lot of work with the, the condom company and I know a lot about condoms. It's not a common I I do not believe it's a common problem that people are opening with their teeth or scissors. Right, The real problem with condoms is not using them. They they can't work if they're still in your purse or your night table drawer. Um, But it is funny that I keep going around and saying, no, 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 people don't do that. Don't worry about it. And then there's this video where little Nas X is actually opening a condom with his teeth. He makes it look really sexy, though. (laughs)
0: So you you know your 11 year old saw this and uh, on TikTok my niece Juliet. But I think although there are much there's much more embracing of things, there's still a lot of stigma around sex, especially with I don't know the 25 year and plus group. For example, um, earlier this year I interviewed your friend and colleague and collaborator, uh, Dr. Logan Lefkoff. It was right after a goop launched a vibrator. And on the one hand, that made it more more mainstream for some, although goop is a very acquired taste, but they got a lot of press around this vibrator that they launched. However, Gwyneth Paltrow, the founder of goop, was interviewed in a big article in the New York Times where she talked all about the vibrator until it got to the point where the reporter asked her whether she used it or not and she really got uncomfortable and didn't answer. So what's going on in our culture around women
1: of a certain age and sex? First of all, I wonder if the certain age is a little older than 25. I don't know, but I do wonder if we're representing an even older demographic than that. Um, I think we've always had this fine line for women about sex. You have to be into it, because if you're not at all into it, you're a prude. But you can't be too into it, because if you're too into it, you're a slut. And um, I think traditionally that really has been something that's only applied to women, right? Um, Though I'm not saying we've done men any favors either, because I think that they haven't had the opportunity to not be into it. It's just assumed that they are. Um, And also I'm not saying that we're in a non-binary culture where we're only talking about men and women, but these are kind of the very traditional talking points. Um, I think around, you know, vibrator use is actually pretty universal with women under 50, though that 50 was a few years ago. So maybe it's now, you know, women under 55. I think it is great that Goop made a vibrator. I don't think it's quite as revolutionary as she thinks it is. It looks a lot like a Hitachi magic wand to me that's been around since the 70s, though it is a prettier color. Um, But it's sad in a way is that, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow is happy to make a a candle that says, smells like my vagina. That was the scent of the candle. and make this great vibrator and then get squeamish about admitting her own use of it. I mean, I guess it's none of our business, whether she uses it or not. Um, But it would have been nice for her not to have um, been embarrassed by it, I guess.
0: Well, whether she uses it or not, it is a time where working women have so much on their plate, working parents overall and working people overall and, with all the stress, the divisiveness of society, the worries around COVID, women are really not as focused on their sexual needs. Many of them, not speaking for everyone. Is this a bad thing? I mean, I know you're not a um, sex therapist, but what can be
1: done about it? Um, So I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, something's got to give and sex is often that something, because we're just doing too much, right? You know, when the kids were home, it was not just that you were working and taking care of them and making sure that they were doing online school and, you know, feeding them and cleaning your house because they ate so much. So we were just pushed to the brink. And also when we're depressed or nervous, which I think kind of universally we all were, and still are to some degree, um, our sex drives go away a little bit. So I guess the only thing I can say is one, two, three, go. Like it really is the easiest thing to forget about and put on a low priority list. Um, And one of the things I think we forget when we're looking at the whole scope of our lives is that it actually feels good and it's fun right? It like feels like something else. You're kind of, Oh, I I don't, I can't handle that. But if you do it, you remember that it's fun. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) And also I guess
0: I'm being a little um, narrow minded, really just talking about working mothers, because for a lot of working people, um, there wasn't the, you know, during COVID, there wasn't the chance to do it or now you got to be a lot more careful uh, who you're, who you're hanging out with. But um, you are a working mom and you have a lot on your plate and you run your consultancy from your home office. You raise my nieces and um, how are things going? Of course, a- I should just preface
1: this by saying I know how things go because I talk to you 42 times a day. But yeah, for it's those who don't know, I-, I think it's exhausting. I mean, I think it's been such a strange couple of years. This morning, I had an argument with um, your your 15-year-old niece, who was off to high school. Um, she did her entire freshman year from home. This is week two of sophomore year. And she was running late to school, which I believe is something you can identify with um, from your high school days. I still
0: graduated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so... You know, we were having this argument about you have to be on time to school. And she's like, you can't shut everything down for two years and expect me to just hop to it. I don't think those were exactly her words. They sound more like mom, but she's got a point. Like we got out of the rhythm of going anywhere um, and it was really tiring. And now we're trying to get them back into the rhythm of going someplace. And it's really tiring. It's just a lot of change. And there's also a lot of fear, you know. Um, this morning there was news that the vaccine for younger kids should be available by the end of October, which is great. But as of now, I'm sending an unvaccinated kid to school. And I think about a third of the sixth graders in her school are on quarantine after the first week. Yeah. So I'm just expecting the call anytime. So is there
0: anything that you're doing to try to sort of mitigate all this anxiety or, you know, that people are feeling all the time?
1: Um, I think writing is actually what keeps me sane. And I think Sex on Wednesday is a really good platform for my sanity because there are things that go on in the world um, every day. You know this, a few years ago, my husband made me a t-shirt for my birthday that said, that's not how it effing works. Um, because I kept saying that. It started when there were politicians who said you couldn't get pregnant with legitimate rape. Or there was like a state, another state politician who was suggesting that we do endoscopies to look um, at pregnancies. I'm like, you know, the stomach and the uterus aren't connected. So I start, I just kept saying, that's not how it works. And now I have this platform to explain why that's not how it works and this is how it works. And getting that out um, and out in the world is feels good to me. There's so much stuff right now that we can't control and that we have no power of. And I'm not suggesting, you know, that I'm changing the world by writing my newsletter. But you know, if I can educate a few people and change a few minds, it makes me feel a little bit better. So if people want to
0: get your newsletter, what do they need to do?
1: You can go to sexonwednesday.com. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a Substack newsletter. So it's free. So you just put in your email address and then you will get it every Wednesday morning around 10. So
0: that's not how it and works. And thank you for, I don't know if we could say that or not. So
1: but it's a lot afford. more. Famous. That's gonna be the name of your new podcast, right? That is my goal, yes. To to turn that segment of my newsletter into a podcast. Um and really another way, another platform to, um, explain how it actually does work. So as the final little bit, I love
0: to ask people, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you're going to say, Mari. Um, do you have one piece of advice that has guided you through your life and your career that you can share with
1: us? Am I supposed to say something like always listen to your older sister? Well, I mean, that would work. (laughs) Um, So I had to think about this one a little bit. I think it's really about being nice, behaving well, being someone someone wants to work with. I think you absolutely never know how your connections are going to pan out over the years. I just as an example, someone who hired me last year to do some writing was an intern of mine at Seekus a million years ago. And I think it's great, right? Um, I think that especially when you're freelancing and when you're consulting, what you realize is that relationships are everything in your career and the way you get work is to be good at your job but also be someone someone wants to work with. So then, you know, maybe they move companies and they take you with them. Um, And that's really, I think that's really my advice is just, you know, be a good person in your work as well.
0: Love it and love you. Thank you so much for this.
1: Thank you.